0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Amen. Thank you. Please you take a seat. Thank you so much, band, for leading us. Well, good morning to those of you here in the room, to those of you joining us online on YouTube. It is good to be with you today. It's my privilege, my pleasure to open the Word. I would just want to add my thanks to what Martin shared, a thank you to those who prayed for us while we were unwell and checked in to see if we needed anything while we're isolating, all that stuff. Thank you. We are, we are grateful to be part of community. Well, this week, uh, we come to week three of our series, Standing Together, The Heart of God. We began two weeks ago looking at the heart of God for justice, and we were being reminded through scripture, throughout scripture, that justice is the heartbeat of God, and that there is a clear and a repeated call for us as his people to act for justice, that is to do what's right and to put things right. We looked at numbers of different scriptures, including this one from Amos 5:23 to 24, which says to God's people, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. This imperative for God's people to pursue justice for our songs of worship to be acceptable. And we acknowledge there are many, many different expressions of injustice in the world in which we live. But in our life groups that week, we focused on racial injustice in the UK, shared some statistics, gave room for personal experiences to be shared. Then last week, Mark Beswick, Brought us week two, the heart of God for all nations. Unpacking for us something of the sweep of scripture from the call of Abraham right back in Genesis 12, right through to the vision of the throne of God in Revelation 7. Finding that God's heart is revealed to be for all nations and to bless all nations. And although his plan began with the Jewish people, it's clear that his heart was always through them to reach all nations and through... The birth of the church at Pentecost, the letters of the early church to the early church from the Apostle Paul, they make it clear that this new family in Christ was a family of all nations, all nations not only welcome but equal, and indeed finding an equal place before God's throne in eternity. As we read in that verse, Revelation 7 verse 9, after this I looked. And there before me was a great multitude no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I look forward to being part of that throng. And then this last week in life groups, having last Sunday considered the heart of God for all nations, and then being welcome and equal, then in our life groups we briefly explored some of the ways which racial hierarchy has been introduced, used, perpetuated with particular attention to the horrific transatlantic slave trade and the nature of Britain's colonial rule of other nations through its empire building of the last century or centuries. Emmanuel Katangoli writes in his book Mirror to the Church, he says, as we seek to understand the stories that shape us, It's important to name the silence of history. In so many of the stories that we tell, there is a history that we have to account for. And when we don't, it's easy to assume that things such as tribe, race and terrorism are natural or simply the way things are. History is important in understanding what has shaped us and what has brought us to where we are. Now, of course, we're aware there are other histories, (laughs) other accounts of other places and other other peoples, perhaps places where you've lived or where you have grown up in that have deeply impacted you also. And our focus on racial injustice is not to detract from the validity of other pain due to other injustices or difficulties either faced here in the UK or somewhere else in the world. But in this season, we are seeking to better understand how to stand together with our brothers and sisters here at CLM, who are black, who are people of colour, perhaps from an ethnic minority background, whatever term we choose to use. And I know different people may prefer different terms. But that's why we're focusing here on matters of racial injustice. And this brings us to week three, lament touching the heart of God. You know, we've made an assumption through this series that here as Christians, we as followers of Jesus, we are bothered about the heart of God. That we're bothered what grieves him. We're bothered what troubles him and what concerns him and what delights him. That we're also bothered about what might grieve brothers and sisters, others in Christ's family. We're probably all familiar with the uh, imperative from Romans 12, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. I think we do a lot better at sometimes rejoicing with those who rejoice than mourning with those who mourn. But there is a call for us to align our hearts to one another and to connect to the heart of God. And so this message today seeks to bring to us something of a suggested response, a biblical response, to seek to touch God's heart using lament as we stand together with one another. I'm not suggesting that we lament instead of a practical response, but as a next step, that as God's people we are looking to his word to let it lead us forward and to shape our response. So, so what is lament? This is not something we talk about necessarily all that much in our society. Lament is simply, it's a form of prayer that gives voice to sorrow or pain or grief disappointment, loss, injustice, regret. It helps us to connect to the heart of God in the midst of some of the toughest situations or subjects, whether as individuals or corporately together. It's for those places where sorrow might tempt us to run from God, or in the wrestle of our heart cause us to withdraw from God, just as we do not know how to respond. But lament provides us a way to lean in to connect with him and to connect with his heart. In their book, Healing Our Broken Humanity, ji Kim and Hill put it like this. They say lament is a demonstrative, strong, and corporate expression of deep grief, pain, sorrow, and regret. They say lament and repentance deal with issues of the heart. They pave the way for outer change. Lament is a personal and corporate response to many things. Evil, sin, death, harm, discrimination, inequality, racism, sexism, colonization, oppression, and injustice. It's about mourning the painful, shameful, or sorrowful situation. It's about confessing sin and complicity and sorrow it's about calling God to intervene and to change the situation and finally lament is about offering thanksgiving and praise to God knowing that God will intervene and bring change hope and restoration comprehensive definition there but that gives us a window into what lament is there is much lament in scripture you may have come across some of it about a third of the Psalms are words of lament We visited last December uh, Psalm chapter 13, a psalm of lament. We talked about how we might use that lament personally to get honest to God. The words of the prophets, the major prophets and the minor prophets, they contain lament as well as warnings to God's people about the state of their nation. They sought to convey the heart of God. Perhaps. Familiar words to you from the life and the death of Jesus would be these. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the words of another psalm of lament, psalm 22, written by David. But Jesus, in his moment of most extreme suffering, as he faced the physical cruelty and torture of the cross, the weight of sin and shame of the world, and the wrath of God, he turned to words of lament written in scripture, crying out to God the Father in sorrow. Lament gave voice to sorrow and suffering. So we've got the Psalms, we've got the prophets, we've got an example of Jesus, and then there is an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. Now just give me a show of hands here in the room if Lamentations is your favorite book of the Bible. Okay, as, as I thought, not a single hand in the room has gone up. We don't tend to gravitate towards Lament. Lamentations is a book in the Old Testament. It's often attributed to Jeremiah, but it's the only book of the Bible that contains solely lament. It contains five poems that lament the destruction of Jerusalem. The inhabitants had been slaughtered, or carried off into exile in Babylon. It marked the end of an age for God's people. The Hebrew name for the book is not actually Lamentations. The Hebrew name for the book is a Hebrew word, ikar, which means how, with an exclamation mark, how. In fact, chapters one, two, and four in Lamentations begin with this kind of exclamation, how. Not a question, an exclamation. So the beginning of the, the book itself opens, how deserted lies the city once so full of people, how like a widow is she who once was great among the nations, how being used here not as a question, but as an intensifier, a verbal expression of the sorrowful, shameful status quo, enabling it to be described and expressed. We might use terms to say things like "Oh, how difficult how awful it's been how unfair how painful how difficult was lockdown how long we have waited might be some of the hows the ecar that we might bring you see lament allows us to say honestly how things are when they're not just fine the chapters of lamentations describe uh, some different aspects of what have uh, taken place at some different stages. I'm not going to go into those right now this morning because I'm not sure that detail will necessarily help me, but there's things we can learn from there. But lament is a form of prayer that gives voice to sorrow, to allow us to state the aspects that we might not celebrate about how things are. It allows us to get honest. It's perhaps not a form of prayer that we're... um, extremely familiar with or even necessarily comfortable with, especially maybe in a Pentecostal celebrating expression of Christianity. Nothing wrong with that. But we do perhaps need to attend to lament. It doesn't need to replace our prayer or our thanks or our celebration, but there should be room for it alongside other forms and expressions of prayer as we follow Jesus. Lament is simply a prayer that gives voice to sorrow in how things are. So why do we lament? Why is this so important? Why are we inviting you to lament? Four main reasons. This isn't an exhaustive list, but four reasons for us today. Number one, lament helps us to interpret the world through a biblical lens. Lament helps us to interpret the world and its sorrows and suffering through a biblical lens. You know, there will always be other lenses for us to look through. There will always be other voices seeking to help us interpret what we see and what we experience. Social media will probably have much to say to us on many things. It may or may not be helpful, but it probably won't be helping us to view the world through a biblical lens. There will be political views, there'll be things in the papers, things in the news. We will have friends, we will have colleagues, we will have family who have views. But lament helps us to stay connected to God and will help us to interpret what we see and what we experience through Him. The second reason that we invite you to lament and why we must lament is because it it provides a way in which... Voices that have perhaps been silenced or marginalised, the voices of those who have suffered, those voices get re-centred in lament. Of course, there are other actions that may be needed also to re-centre those voices. But within a faith community, within the community of God's people as we are here, how important it is that those voices are also re-centred in the context of prayer of corporate prayer, that place where we come and we present ourselves before God. You know, if you're not normally present in our corporate prayer times, I can't overstate how important those are to our life and journey together as a church community. What became clear after the murder of George Floyd on May the 25th, 2020 was that there was considerable pain being carried by a large number of people from black and ethnic minority backgrounds. And this began to be voiced in society within the church. CLM was no exception to that. It became apparent there had been and there continued to be suffering that was not voiced. And that for whatever reason or reasons couldn't be voiced. When we lament together, then we allow the voices that maybe have been silenced or have been marginalised, we allow those voices, the voices of the suffering, to be heard. The third reason that we should lament. and You know, we've talked much in this last season, and perhaps been more aware than ever, of the need to invest in and attend to our well-being, our shalom, our peace, our wholeness. Many of us in our life groups uh, engaged in the well-being journey, didn't we, at the start of the year? Perhaps we still are working on some of those things on the dashboard. As we learn to just look after ourselves better, attend to our well-being. In his book, Prophetic Lament, Sung Chan Ra explains that shalom, well-being, requires lament. It requires us to embrace our suffering. It requires us to engage in the how, not to gloss over it, not to belittle it, not to dismiss it. So the third reason why we should lament is because our well-being requires it, as individuals and corporately. lament is is necessary to bring uh, repentance, healing, wholeness, and hope. There's a necessity for us to lament when there's suffering and there's pain. I think maybe we understand this a little bit better in the area of grief. We know that grief needs to be expressed. It needs to be engaged in. We have to engage in some way with the reality of the loss that we might experience when someone passes away. That's the work of grief. But we can sometimes forget the necessity of lamenting over suffering and pain. But there must be lament in grief, in suffering, in trauma for us to come through to a place of healing and wholeness and hope. And lament gives us a way to come as we are. It gives us a way to speak about the how, to come in the rawness of our thoughts and our feelings, to come with authenticity and honesty, and to find that God identifies with us there in our pain. As the psalmist encourages us, Psalm 62, verse eight, he says, trust in him at all times, O you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Lament is necessary for our well-being. It's necessary for our shalom, it's reason number three. The fourth reason why we should lament is because it enables us to find a collective voice in prayer. You know, we here, as God's people, as CLM, we have representatives of, I don't know, 50 to 60 nations of the world with different perspectives, different cultures, different experiences. How will we find our voice together on this subject? Of course, listening to each other is critical. Sharing together is critical. But lament also can help us to find our voice before God in prayer, to align with him, to touch his heart, to begin to find our voice collectively together in the place of prayer. Ephesians 6.12 reminds us that the battle, it says, is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And lament provides us with a means to begin entreating God on this subject, helps us to pray, helps us to begin engaging that we might see a change in the heavenlies that will result in a breakthrough here in the ground. I'm not saying that we should only pray but we must pray if we want to see change in this area. I know that there is desire uh, in the community for us to have influence beyond the walls of CLM in tackling racial injustice. And I do believe that when we find an authentic collective voice on this as a community before God, then we may have authority to speak elsewhere. Lament enables us to find our collective voice in prayer. We've touched on what lament is and why we should do it. There are, of course, two more practical questions. How do we lament? What should we lament? Well, the laments of Scripture give us a model for how we might lament. In some of the things that I've read uh, as I've explored this, technically there are nine different stages to lament, but we've tried to just make this a little bit simpler, both for us here this morning and in our life groups uh, in this week. So we've compressed it into five stages. And let me just say because we're going to do some work with this in our life groups this week. If you're not in a life group but you're part of CLM, can I encourage you to get plugged in and to belong and be fully part of the journey here at CLM. If we don't currently run a group that works for you time-wise, let us know what works because there might be others in the community who are the same. How do we lament? Five simple stages. Stage number one, call out to God in worship. Get started. Declaring his goodness and praise, even maybe as we have done this morning, but we begin by just calling out to God in worship. Stage two, describe the problem, the how. Cry out to God, articulating the horrors that burden you, personal, national, or other. Stage three, Confess and repent of any complicity or connected sin in your own heart or life. I know this may, this may sound a little harsh or hard as we might be coming in our own place of suffering. But you know, as we come before a holy God and we're crying out for him to bring justice, to come and to act against sin and against injustice that has hurt us, this allows us also to examine our own hearts and ensure that we have personally and corporately separated ourselves from any sin or injustice. You know, in the times and the moments, the seasons, when I've cried out to God, times when there's been a lot of pain for one reason or the other, Maybe those uh, reasons have been personal. Sometimes they've actually been systemic issues because of being a woman in certain settings. But the Lord has never held back in those seasons from highlighting in me the things that he also wants to deal with. He has also expected of me repentance and change even as he has come and met me and healed me. In fact, that's been part of his mercy and grace to me in the process as he has journeyed with me, but there's a call for us, stage three, to confess and to repent any connected sins. Stage four, ask boldly for help. Simply call on God to bring change. We may or may not be able to articulate clearly what we want that to look like, but ask boldly for help. And stage five, express trust in and bring praise to God. Remember that God is the one who sees and hears and will do what is right. Five simple stages. And those are there, I'm putting them here to help us. You know, lament might be poetic. A lot of The lament in scripture is poetic, but it doesn't need to be. You might uh, write this down, and for you, this might come out as a spoken word, but it doesn't have to. You may not feel like you're great with words. You might have hated English at school. You might have hated your English teacher at school, which makes you feel like you cannot write anything down. Put that aside if you can. This is not to be marked or graded. This is not for publication. You do not have to be a great writer. Just express something before God and of course you can just come to God and overflow your heart in whatever language you are most comfortable with lament does not need to be tidy and it does not need to be in five careful stages but this is a pattern that may help some of us it is not here to limit you but perhaps perhaps for some it might help give voice to some things that we might struggle to just allow to overflow everyone's lament will be different We have different experiences, different impact from situations, different perspectives. I have used lament before God in the last year or so as I've been learning over the past 18 months about some of the history that I had previously not known about. I have not known really what to do with horrific information about what has been done over many centuries by the nation that I call home. It has helped me to express some of that in lament before God and to pour it out. Sometimes tidy, sometimes not so tidy. And this, week's in, this week in our life groups, we're gonna be just having a go at writing laments together, putting some different bits in on the subject of racial injustice. And we may not all have personal experiences to lament, but we can all express our presence and an expression of lament alongside those who lament their suffering. This is mourning with those who mourn. I don't want to say much about what we might lament, for really it must be what is genuinely the burden of your heart. the thing that you want to bring to connect with the heart of God. It may be personal, it may be global, it may be something current or it may be something historic. It may relate to the UK or to somewhere else in the world. But what is burdening your heart that will connect you to God's heart for justice? That's what you should lament. If I can invite the band to join me, as we sought some input from members of the task force uh, about this series, we really wanted them to help us to, to shape it and to try to make sure that we got it right. Arinze Chinumba, uh, who's one of our life leaders, sent me these brilliant insightful comments, and I asked him if I could share them, and he said yes. He said, in general, I would think the kingdom culture we're dealing with is Philippians 2, 3 to 4, which says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He said this, in my mind, the above is the principle the world routinely neglects, that the church is designed to model as the kingdom, culture, and lifestyle. Racial justice is a specific manifestation of this neglect that we are dealing with. We are all impacted by racial injustice to varying degrees, and so we'll identify with the emphasis to differing degrees. He asked a question, will the way we deal with the racial justice issue come through as a subset of this wider kingdom culture that must program our lives? so that each person will identify with the demand for the transformation of attitudes in some way, even if they do not personally identify with any guilt in matters of racial justice. He then said, our study series is to program our lives to fulfill the kingdom mandate on our lives, to in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself our Racial Justice series is a specific application of this, I think. We're called to mourn with those who mourn. And like Jesus, in lowliness of mind, to each esteem each other better than himself. If you need to keep learning some more so that you can genuinely lament I would invite you to visit the resource page on the CLM website, engage with some of the materials that are there to read, to watch, and ask God to share His heart with you as you do so. Please come when we have our evening of lament on Thursday the 28th of October. Come with a lament to share, maybe one you've written personally or something you've written with your life group. Come to participate, come to let your voice be heard. I can facilitate that evening, but it is other voices that need to be heard. But as we lament together, and perhaps learn to lament together, we're gonna find a form of prayer to express sorrow and suffering in the how, the how of today. We'll be helped to interpret our world through a biblical lens. We'll recenter the voices that have been marginalized will contribute to our own well-being and it will enable us to begin to find our collective voice in prayer on this matter as we mourn with those who mourn as in loneliness of mind we esteem others better than ourselves and in doing so we will I have every confidence touch the heart of God I know it's not necessarily an easy message to respond to this morning, but I'm just gonna invite you to stand. And as I come to finish, I'm gonna pray. But I'm gonna pray Psalm 90, which is a psalm of lament, but it has some of the most beautiful and precious verses to me in it. So just open your heart as I pray. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleepers of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath and we finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass And we fly away if only we knew the power of your anger your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom relent Lord how long will it be have compassion on your servants satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us, yes. Establish the work of our hands, amen.